though there is hope in this world, there are going to be struggles. Life is a journey. And you and I are the ones that hold the map to what God wants to do in our life. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. And so I want to start in today. I have what I did in your in your notes. If you have your bulletin, in your bulletin is a set of notes. Every week you get this because I want you not just to listen to what I'm saying. I want you to go examine God's word on it. Because ladies and gentlemen, when it's all said and done, my words will go away. God's word is here to stay. So go and study the scriptures and find out find out what they are. So in though, as I, I scrutinize this particular message today, because I wanted to get the meat as much as I possibly could of my notes into your notes. That way you could take them and study them and look at them and hear them. I am so excited about what I'm going to share today. Because it's part of this series that I call Passion. And I want you to look at the title. Passion is the root and the fruit of vision. Most people don't have life in their living. Oh, they're living life. But they don't have life in their living because they don't have passion. They don't have any purpose. And so that is what I want to do today is I want to help us to understand the very first and essential part of developing a vision and a purpose for your life is you've got to get passion. You've got to be passionate about something. If not, you just go from birth to the grave in a mundane world. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So what I'm going to talk about today excites me because as we've been speaking on this journey of hope and what it looks like, one of the statements that I began our series with, I emphasized the reality that though there is hope in this world, there are going to be struggles. Life is a journey. And you and I are the ones that hold the map to what God wants to do in our life. We sit down and say, well, God's got it all planned out and and all I got to do is just kind of put myself on cruise control and, and God will work it out. 
Sorry, that's contrary to God's word. There's our part and there's God's part. I've shared with this church since the day of its inception. There's only two things in all of eternity that God did first. They both start with a C. This is a test. Let's see how it works. The two things that God did first is what? Creation and Calvary. That's the only two things in all of creation that God did first. Did you know when you read from Genesis to Revelation, every single thing from that point on that he did was in response to what we did. Life is a journey. But you and I are the ones that hold the map to all that God has for us to do. Marissa is talking about children's ministry. You know the victorious life is at the place that her ministers and her people must stir up and gather up all that has happened in their lives to this point that God can do further what he wants to do. See, once again, it's all in response to you and I. People sit, I, I, I've had people say, Pastor, I'm not interested in this. Pastor, you know, when it comes to children's ministry, I'm not interested. Can I tell you something? I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to over the years that said, you know the church I go to is the one my kids like. If your kids don't like the church, it's hard enough to get them ready in the morning to go to someplace they like. Could you imagine how hard it is to get them ready in the morning to go to someplace they don't like? And it's the same thing as they grow up, the youth age kids. The college age kids, they just kind of go because they're used to all the college professors who put you to sleep half the time. They got to stay awake to take notes. Some of you college kids missed a good place to say amen. But we're at that place that we have to stir up and gather up all that God has done. You see, we already know why God has brought us here. We already know that this is why we're here. There's so many people that say, well, I I go to the church that I like. Well, if you're really trying to be led by God, you're going to the church that God placed you in. Because God is the one that puts people in church for a purpose. Did you know, six years ago, my wife and I didn't get up one day and just get a wild hair and all of a sudden decide, well, we're just going to start a church today. No, we've been praying. We've been saying, God, what do you want? And God was dragging me tooth and nail. I mean, just dragging me. My heels were dragging in the ground. Because, you know, I've, I've started four churches before this church. And I didn't want to start another church. Hey, Pastor, what happened to all the churches you started? Oh, they're still going. Other pastors are pastoring them. Does that mean you're leaving this one? No, not going anyplace. Unless the Lord takes me home. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. But think about it. We didn't just get up one day and decide to start a church. God planned for her and I to start a church in Flagstaff. Matter of fact, when my wife and I, several years ago, we were looking for a mountain in the homes. Uh, mountain in the homes. Home in the mountains. And so we were living in a, in a gated community in, in the valley, and we were, we were doing very well financially, making 
good money and, and living. So all of a sudden we decide to go east to the mountains and, and uh, Sholo and Snowflake and all that because that's what most of the people in the valley do. They go east. Had no clue to come north. Well, we went there and we made an offer in a house and a guy rejected the offer for $5,000. Who rejects an offer for $5,000? But he rejected it. Some pastor friends of mine said, hey, let's take a ride up to, to see another pastor friend of ours up in Flagstaff. And so we jumped on our Harleys and, and we, we cruised up the mountain. And as we're kind of coming up the mountain, I'm just cruising along. And all of a sudden it was like I heard the voice of God. I didn't know it was the voice of God at the time, though I know the voice of God very well, because I was just taking in the sights. It was like the Lord spoke, welcome home. You see, God had the plan. Before we ever started this church at the La Quinta Hotel, January 3rd, 2010. God already had the plan. All he wanted us to do was step into it. Did you know before you ever walked into Victorious Life, God made the plan for you to come to Victorious Life? Now, whether you stay or not, that's between you and God. Nobody comes to church by chance. But they all stay or go by choice. God ordains. God directs. Let me make a statement. It's on the screen. For us to accomplish, with all this being said, for us to accomplish all that God has for us, we each must determine what it is that we really desire to see God do through our lives. Nobody goes to church if you're here for the grace of God, the purpose, the plan, the pursuit, and the passion of God. Nobody is here just to sit in the chairs. Victorious Life Christian Center was founded in San Jose, California, actually Sunnyvale, California, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And by the time the church went through some things in 1998, we we merged the church with another church. By the time the church closed, we had between 70 and 85% of the church in ministry. That is unheard of. In a church our size right here in Flagstaff, to have the amount of people in ministry is unheard of. Why? Because I understand and this is one of the difficulties you have in church is most people, I say most people, many people come to church and they just want to come to church. They fail to realize they are the church. And we have a job to do and that's to reach the loss for Jesus Christ by showing them what the church really is. At VLCC, growing people and ministry development is my passion. But it's not just my passion. It has become the passion of many others that are in this place who are called to fill and fulfill the purpose of God in their lives. So today, what I want to do is explore the purpose, the passion, the calling, what I call a journey of hope, which is a hope for you and I to find our future. It is now, it is how, excuse me, that we begin to discover and develop the strengths or the gifts that you and I have a part of our lives. Part of my job is to help you find your job. That's why Marissa 
when she came up here last week and she stayed the, made the statement, if you're interested. It's not a valid statement. Though, okay statement, not a problem. We're not looking for interest. We're looking for dedication. Can I ask you a question? Was Jesus interested in dying at Calvary? How many think he was? Ah, good. He answered correctly. He was purposed. And you and I are purposed to be a part of ministry. It's on the screen again. Many, if not most, never come to their full or even partial potential in life because someone won't take the time to help develop others. So you have a pastor and pastors. You have a leader and leaders in this church that will help you find your place. At the end of today, we're going to put up a list of all the ministries that we need participation in. Say, well, pastor, how many are there? All of them. Why? Because until you are in a ministry, you will never feel or fulfill the purpose that God has in your life. Well, that went over well. Three amens. I'm going to make a statement. And it's a kind of a hard statement, but it's a valid statement. Leading is harder than following. Leading is harder than following. Amen, Steve? It is. The minute you decide to become a leader, there comes one of those words that is literally hated in today's society, and that word is responsibility. You now become responsible to someone. Now listen to me. You're not responsible for someone. That's their job but you're responsible to them. And so that's why it's easier to follow. No strings attached. I told my wife before we started Victorious Life here in Flagstaff, I told her, I said, honey, I just want to go to a church. I'll be the best angel that ever happened to that pastor. I'm just going to go in there and I'm just going to kind of cruise along. Somebody asked me, how did that work for me? Well, you see, I'm pastoring again, don't you? <laughs> see, God told me one day, he said, since when's it your choice? Amen. Listen to me. Since when's it your choice? Sorry. Since when? Never. It's not. Oh, I'm in control of my life. That's the problem we have with abortion. Women think it's their body. The problem is, what about that little baby? That baby's got a body too. What about his body? Ooh. I'm talking about the A word. The A word used to be adultery, but that's so accepted in society today, it doesn't matter. But abortion. Okay, that's not in my notes. That's just free for you. So if you've had one, please understand God forgives. We move on. But it's not God's plan. Are you okay out there? It's not our choice. It's God's choice. God saved us for a purpose. We're here for a purpose, and God wants it. To 
lead is harder than following. That's why the world is full of followers with few leaders. Can I tell you, if you choose to be a follower and not to be a leader, we have this interesting situation. It's like a bunch of people mushing around. How many ever saw a dog team? You know, mushers, the Iditarod. You ever seen the dog team? Did you know, unless you're leading that pack, the view never changes? <laughs> okay, some of you will get that when we get out of here. God's looking for leaders. And I want to make one more statement as I get into this morning's notes. It's in your screen. As a Christian, we're all called to lead. If you're a Christian, you are called to be a leader. Because my heart is to develop people, develop men and women. Every first Monday of the month, we have what we call our leadership ministry training class. And it's something that's open to the whole church. Uh, And it's something that that I bring uh, insight and wisdom and the years of my learning as a leader that I encourage people to come to. Because it doesn't matter if you're in ministry, it doesn't matter if you're in leadership, this will help you in every aspect of your life. First Monday of every month, we have it right here in our adult classroom. So I'd encourage you to leave, okay, or uh, uh, come. I'd encourage you to come. See, as Christians, we are called to lead. The truth of life, we're going to lead someone or follow everyone. It's a choice that we make. I'm going to make five statements over the next 15 minutes or so. And I'm going to follow with five questions or four questions. And I want you to listen wholeheartedly. I left as much of it as I could in your notes. Uh, pretty, I tried to leave literally all of this part in your notes. But I want you to listen because if you will hear this correctly and apply it appropriately your life will change exponentially. How do we begin to develop the passion that God has placed in us? How do we begin to develop the passion God has placed in us? If you have a business, if you're a leader, if you are a teacher, if you are somebody that has followers, I, I encourage you with all your heart, today's message will change the way you do leadership, will change the way you do your job your, your employment and your uh, leading as an employer uh, in whatever capacity it is. If you want to start to develop passion that God has placed in your life, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to begin to care. You see, those people that punch a clock, they're not there just punching the clock. They can punch a clock any place. A lot of times we don't have productivity because the people think they're just punching the clock. They don't realize that their boss is actually supposed to care about them. This is why something that swept the country throughout the 90s and early 2000s, I don't know where it's at today, but that swept the country is what was called servant leadership in the corporate world. Management by walking around. 
That's what they call it, MBWA, management by walking around. You actually got involved with the people. You got involved to see. You started to begin to care. Well, in Christianity, it goes a step further. You need to care more than others think is wise. What am I saying? You got to learn that it's not all about you. You got to go beyond yourself. John Maxwell, who many of you have heard about in, in California, we did three different John Maxwell seminars at our church. And we brought him in and, and did these seminars. It was just wonderful to get to know him and get to know his team. But he made a statement many years ago that people will never care how much you know until they know how much you care. Listen to me, leader. The reality in your life and mine, everybody's just punching the clock. Everybody's just patronizing time. Unless they find somebody who genuinely cares. It's amazing how much others will do if you'll just show them that you care. Genuine care will get you further than position, title, anger, command, pressure, or anything else. James chapter 2 says it this way. Go, if you say to somebody, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but you do nothing to benefit them, what good does it do? Words are cheap. I don't care who they are. They can come from the pastor's mouth, and they're still cheap unless they're followed up. This is one of the reasons whenever I get a phone call, Jenny Summers takes care of our prayer team uh, and as far as the chain, the prayer chain. Every time a prayer shows up on that prayer chain, I don't care what I'm doing. I stop right then and there and pray. You know why? I get busy. And if I don't do it now, I probably won't pray. See, that's called caring. I go to the hospital and to the different folk, the different homes in town almost weekly if I know people are there. And it's funny, I had some folks at the hospital with me a few weeks ago, and I just started, I just felt the Lord say, just stop in the rooms. And I started going into different people's rooms. Didn't know them at all. Can I pray for you? You see, people lack in this world genuine care from others. And God tells us, if you just tell them the good things and do nothing about it, what good is it? First John 3, look what it says here. This is how we know we love Jesus, or what, excuse me, what love is. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. You see, Jesus didn't just tell you he loved you. He showed you he loved you. Amen. When we get involved in the children's ministry, you know what we're doing? We're showing the parents of those kids we love them. We're not just showing the kids we love them. We're showing the parents of the kids we love them. We're showing the grandparents of the kids we love them. We're showing the teachers, the ministry. Miss Tina is a school teacher here. Maybe there's others. I'm just pointing her because we got a note. Said, Pastor, we could sure use some school materials. We've all seen it on Facebook. We all saw it on this, you know, uh, they got billboards around, not billboards, plaques around town. 
And so we went out as a church and we bought a bunch of school supplies. Folks, it does so much even when we do so little. An hour a week, sometimes an hour a month, in whatever ministry. You've got to care more than others think is wise. The scripture goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Let us not love with word or tongue, but us love in action and truth. You see, it's not about rights, whether this person's right or wrong. Or, it's about doing right in the midst of the wrong. I remember when David showed up at the mount, Goliath was down in the valley and the Philistines were all encamped about. And the Bible says David was up there and he was indignant. He's looking at the whole army of Israel sitting around. You know, everybody's scared to death of this one. Well, the guy was 13 feet tall, some people say. I guess you could be scared of that. But he stood there, looked at the king, looked at the people, looked at the army, said, is there not a cause? Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming back. Is there not a cause? It's time to begin to care more than others think is wise. Second thing is we need to risk more than others think is safe. What I mean by that, very simply, you get yourself involved with people, it's going to get messy because people mess up. Look at somebody and says, oh, he's not been watching me, hasn't he? We got to take chances on people because they're going to mess up. You can just tell them you're in good company because I've messed up too. You see, our church's main focus must be reaching others. Many churches don't grow simply because they're looking just to get transfer growth. But the truth is, is Jesus never built the church just to have people change from church to church and church to church. He built the church to reach the lost, to go out to in the, all the world and make disciples and then bring them to a place. As Jesus continues, listen to me, to reach into our lives, we are called to reach out into other lives. You see the truth, and I left it in your notes, and I left it on the screen. He calls the sinners to come, but then he calls the saints to go. You got to take a risk. This is risky. You know what happens? Your heart can change. If we do it, the church can change. But you know something? Ultimately, the world will change if we're willing to take that risk. In your job, sometimes you've got to go that extra mile with those employees. The truth is, there's something that I call three T's. A lot of people can't do what they're supposed to do because they're not trained well enough. The second thing is, a lot of people can't do what they're supposed to do because they're probably in the wrong position. So you might need to transfer them in another position. But you know what happens when you transfer them? you got to retrain them. Amen. So you train them. And if they're not, if you train all you can train, and it might just be the wrong position, well, then you got to transfer them. And then you got to retrain them again. Well, say, Pastor, what do you do after that? Well, the truth is, if you train them, 
and you transfer them and you retrain them and you transfer them, pretty soon it's time to terminate them. Well, pastor, we're Christians. Fire them puppies. Oh, pastor. If they're not doing their job, it's before the Lord they're not doing their job. This is that time I wish I had steel chairs like I used to have. I used to, when I first started pastoring in Tyler, Texas, I had steel chairs. You know those steel folding chairs? I loved them. You know why? Every time the Holy Spirit was convicting people, oh, those chairs got shiny. I could always tell who was sitting in the most convicted chair. Bless you too. Think about it. Think about it. Where does it mean we can't fire somebody because they're a Christian or because you're a Christian. The Bible says, do your work as unto the Lord. I don't find any place in my Bible that tells me to enable people. It tells me to challenge people and grow people because it ultimately costs you your reputation, your integrity because somebody else isn't doing the job. And ultimately, it's because you're not doing your job. Train, transfer, terminate. Write it down, bosses. That's good teaching. I make another statement. It's not on the screen, but it's not until others become more important than us that we'll see what's most important to us. Matthew 25, Jesus has said, when I was hungry... You didn't feed me. When I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in. When I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick and in prison, you didn't look after me. And he said, I say, whatever you have done unto the least of these, you do unto me. See, God wants us to help grow people. God wants us to develop people. The truth is we have to be leaders for their sakes, not just ours. Can somebody say amen this morning? We have to take some risk. The third thing, and I love this one. This one is probably... My favorite of the whole list that I put together here is you got to dream more than others think is practical. My wife and I had a dream six years ago, and it was called Victorious Life. And we came, and we started. See, I love to dream. I've dreamed about some of you. And God has made these dreams come true in my life. But I dream probably more than people think is practical. When I sit down and talk to people sometimes, they, they kind of shake their head. How, where, where's all this coming from? It's all a dream. It's all a dream. Each of you are a part of God's dream. And our dream has only begun here at Victorious Life. Flagstaff knows Victorious Life. You know, I, I, literally I can go not very many places that somebody won't stop and listen because they recognize my voice because of the radio. I don't think I have a unique voice. I don't think I have anything different. But I can be sitting there, and I've had people at restaurants. I was sitting at Coco's one day, and somebody was two booths down, and I'm just talking to the person that I'm talking to. And all of a sudden, this person waits for the opportune time, comes down. You're, you're, the guy, you're, you're that voice on the radio, aren't you? And it happens all the time. I was, I was uh, just, uh, where was I? Oh, I was working with somebody on the building project. And uh, 
Just as soon as I came in there and started talking, I could see. And they just stopped talking. And they started listening. And then I introduced myself. You're that guy. See, whether it's my voice or not, God has recognized Victorious Life. And Victorious Life is becoming a household name, has become a household name, all because somebody dared to dream a dream. Can I tell you something? I'm in good company. Joseph was a dreamer. He was called a dreamer. One day he believed to touch multitudes. We need to touch multitudes. The only way the city of Flagstaff will come to Christ is if you and I will begin to dream and step out and make those dreams come true. Can you say amen? See, as an employer, as an employee, as a leader, or as just a man or a woman looking for the passion of God, you've got to begin to dream and believe that those dreams will come true, which brings me to the next point. You've got to expect more than others think is possible. You see, I find that most Christians sincerely pray and they sincerely believe that God has wonderful things planned for their lives, yet most never receive what they have believed for because they really don't expect it to happen. You say, Pastor, how do I know that's true? How many ever had a prayer answered and it surprised you? Why does it surprise you? That's why you prayed. The psalmist wrote in the third chapter, fifth chapter in the third verse, in the morning, O oh Lord, I pray and I lay my request before you. And then look what it says in those last four words. And I wait in expectation. The 30th Psalm says, weeping does come for a night, but joy, rejoicing comes in the morning. The next thing that I want to share, and this is, One of those four-letter words that many people dislike. But the truth is, is God created us to work. But not work just to get by, but to work more than other people think is necessary. Can I tell you something? When Alexander the Great had a mind to work, he conquered the world. When he lost that passion, he couldn't conquer a bottle of wine. When David had a mind to work and a passion and the purpose of God, he conquered Goliath. When he lost it, he couldn't conquer the lust in his own soul. When Samson had a passion, when Samson had a purpose to work and a, and a, and a pursuit of the plan of God and the passion of God, he conquered multitudes. But when he lost it, he couldn't conquer his battle with Delilah. When Solomon had a passion, he was the wisest man in the world. But afterwards, he couldn't constrain himself from some 500 wives and concubines. When Saul had a passion, he conquered the kingdom. When he lost it, he couldn't control his own jealousy, which lost the kingdom. Noah could build an ark. When he changed his focus, he got drunk. Peter could preach and thousands would get saved. When he lost it, he denied Jesus. When Elijah had a mind to work and a passion to pursue the plan of God, he called down fire from heaven. When he lost it, he ran from a woman named Jezebel. See, we've got to work more than others think is necessary. The Bible teaches 
not worded exactly like this, but an idle mind is the devil's workshop. This is why we need to keep busy. This is why we need to work. This is why we need to do things productive. You know what the Bible says? Faith without works is dead. What we have to always understand is there is God's part and there is our part. As I spoke about earlier, God is not going to do everything for us. Matter of fact, there's only two things the Bible said he did for us, and that was creation and Calvary. All the rest he does in response for us. Can I tell you what we're doing as part of the the witness and the outreach of reaching Flagstaff for Jesus Christ? We're on Radio Shine. We're on the Big Talker Radio. We're on CAF Radio and Affiliates. You know, we're on almost a half a dozen or eight different radio stations in Flagstaff every single day of the week. We're in the Arizona Daily Sun newspaper. If you went to La Fonda's, you see Pastor Philemon and myself pasted on almost all the tables. You get to have lunch with us. Invited us. Invite us out. We wouldn't mind you buying us lunch either. <clears throat> Just threw that in there, Pastor. We, yeah, okay, anyway. We got car stickers. We just were ordering another, another 500 car stickers that we can get car stickers all over town. We want people to think about victorious life. Not because there's anything special about this church, but because there is somebody special about who this church preaches about and his name is Jesus Christ. In the back of the room, we have a track rack. What that simply is, is that's for those people that like to be evangelists incognito. You take a handful of tracks and you leave one on the table. Of course, after you put a nice tip in the track. If you're not going to tip, please don't leave a track. Thank you. Laid on the back of the bathroom toilet. Incognito evangelism. We must restart and continue the evangelism. Why we have a purpose of the message of victorious life, reaching the city for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to take you into God's word, and I'm going to take you through the book of Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to give you God's outline for developing passion. God's outline. There's 12 verses in Proverbs chapter 3. You can turn there, or you can look in your notes. I have basically outlined it for you. All 12 verses. Look what it says. You want to develop passion for God? Do not forget my words and keep my commands. He said, in doing this, you will have a long life and you will prosper. You want to develop passion? Look what he says. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. You want to have passion? Look what it says will happen. You will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. To develop passion, look what he says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and acknowledge him in everything you do. And look what it says. He says if you do so, he will make your path straight. You know what that literally means? He'll make the difficult things easier and the easier things accomplishable. You want to develop a passion? Don't get wise in your own eyes. Don't get wise in your own eyes. Say it with me. Don't get wise in your own eyes. Fear God and shun evil. If you do, it will bring nourishment to your body and health. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The first fruits. See, God brings that into developing passion. Realize who 
your sources. If you do this, your barns will be overfilled. And then the twelfth, or the last thing in the twelfth verse, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Look at me. Some of us have messed up once in a while. Not counting what you did today. Some of us mess up. And God does discipline us. I've had people, I'm mad at God. Why? Why are you mad at God? Well, he did this. Well, what did you do? Well, that doesn't matter. Don't despise the Lord's discipline because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he delights in them. You see, there's always the we do our part and God does his part. We know all we should do. And the truth is, we need, we should do all that we know. Let me bring you into those four questions. I've made five statements. How do we develop passion? And I can promise you, if you will do those things, your life, your job, your relationships, everything will change Some drastically, some very measurably. Once what I've talked about becomes our heart, this is the beginning road to developing our vision. I want to read something to you. And I want you to listen to me. Take your eyes off your notes because I'm going to read this to you. I want you to hear every word of it. Our declaration says all men are created equal. That is true. But that's where it ends. God gave everybody the same ability. God gave everybody the same opportunity for gifts and talents, desires, ambitions. But all men may be created equal. Well, this is where it ends. Some are off to do something different. They're off to discover the world while others cling to a remote. Every day to some is an adventure. They're what I like to call dragon slayers. They're ready to look hell right in the face while their counterparts would rather just watch life go by. After all, dragons are scary. It's tough to be a leader. It's tough to want to do something beyond ourselves. It's, want, it's tough to actually want to do something that is measurable. You see, I'm going to give you some of the names that they're called in the world. You see, in the business world, these people are called chiefs. In the corporate world, on Wall Street, they're called bulls. On Capitol Hill, they're called whips. They're the ones who challenge the status quo. They turn up the volume. They bite and swallow all at the same time. Let me give you some other names. Ramrods. We hear about it. Top guns. Railroaders. You know the people that do things? You know the people that have a passion and a purpose and ultimately have a vision for the things of God? They are the ones that sleep and eat less, but dream and do more. 
Their socks may not match because they're never put on at the same time. They're putting one on while they're dreaming. And all of a sudden, they go to work and somehow or another, another one fell on their foot. They're not always put on at the same time. You know what these people that I call the passionate? They're the ones that swim at the deep end. Oh, not because they're good swimmers, but it challenges them to do something they've never done. Purpose and pursuit drives them. They see what all what others won't see. Why? Because they realize there's always more going on than what is going on. Their whole life is enveloped in passion and risk. And this dynamic duo, if you will, passion and risk is what separates daydreamers from daymakers. Can somebody say amen? You see, business as usual cannot be found in their vocabulary. These people say things like, well, what if? Or has anyone tried? There might be another way. Unfortunately or ultimately, while all others are saying why, these are the ones that sit around and say, why not? See, I'm talking about the key to developing a purpose for your life, a vision for your life, is you've got to develop this passion. Let me talk to you about some passionate people that you might remember. How many heard the name Fred Astaire before? He was a skinny, young, hopeful. When he went for his Hollywood auditions originally, they said the guy can't act, he can't sing, and his dancing is little. Still, he pursued his passion. He took a risk and became one of the best singers, dancers, and actors that we know of today. Remember a guy by the name of Rudyard Kipling? He submitted an article to the San Francisco Examiner in 1889 only to be rejected. This is what they said about Rudyard Kipling. He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Kipling, but you just don't know how to use the English language. Yet his works are renowned today. Maybe somebody else you might know of. His original name, Samuel Clements. We know him better as Mark Twain. In 1901, a critic of Mark Twain said, in a hundred years from now, it's very unlikely that anything he's ever written will be remembered. You know what passion is? It's something that great people have. I can't tell you how many times, and I, I say this very humbly, but very gratefully. You know how many times people have said, well, you're passionate about what you do, aren't you? Couldn't get a better compliment. See, passion, if you want to be great, you have to develop. Risk, if you want to accomplish, you have to take. Joan of Arc mounted her horse and set her sights on declaring the human injustices of the world. Someone asked her, well, Joan, what happens if nobody follows you? She said, I'll never notice because I ain't looking back. Jesus said that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back can ever do anything for the kingdom. Passion always pays the price because there is always hazards in the way and always filled with naysayers. 
Ladies and gentlemen, maybe Noah, maybe Nehemiah, Joshua, David, and others were so successful because they had a passion that immunized them from the poison of the world. I've got four questions for you. What do you really want to do in life? What is burning? It doesn't take me very long to talk to somebody and I can tell them pretty much exactly what God has planned for their life. What do you really want to do? You see, this is what you've got to decide if you're going to have passion. That's what it's talking about. If there is one thing that you could pour into everyone else, what would it be? What do you want to do? What do you really want? It's talking about passion. The second question, very simply, is when you figure out what you really want, what's it going to cost you? I'm trying to change lives this morning, folks. What will it cost you? Can I make a little statement before the next point goes up? If it costs you less than your life, it's not worth it. What will it cost? You see, this is what you've got to answer if you're going to develop a vision. What do you want? What will it cost? There is a price to do anything that's worth doing. Have you thought about it? You know what David said over in the book of Samuel? He said, I'll offer nothing to God that doesn't cost me something. There are people that go through life living from one rush to the next, and they consider the risk worth the experience. I love Mr. Hurst back here. He does some crazy things. They went to Las Vegas recently for some event that they were going to, and and all he could talk about is going up to the top of that building and sliding on that roller coaster or getting on that bungee cord. What's that thing called? Stratosphere. You see this right here? This is ugly, not stupid. Nothing personal, Bob. I ain't going up there. And I heard later that his daughter, Courtney, was right alongside of him. (laughs) Tina, Brandon, me, probably my wife, we're of the same cut. We'll watch from down here. You say, well, Pastor, that's not a vision. Sure it is. He had a vision to accomplish something. What's it going to cost? The third thing, and quickly... When you figure out what you want to do and what's going to cost, are you willing to pay that price? You see, this is where most quit. And this is why most businesses don't get bigger. This is why most businesses don't succeed. This is why most people don't succeed. Because they know what they want, they know what it's going to cost, but they won't pay the price. Because the price is discipline. The price is commitment. The price could be physical. It could be financial. But I guarantee it will cost your life. If you're going to have the success that God has planned 
for your life. Can somebody say amen? You see, in doing so, we're talking about our commitment. And this is where most people fall short. They see what they want. They even count the cost. But when it actually comes to doing something, they're not fully ready to pay the price. The next two weeks, I'm going to talk about how this is the key to developing vision. You see, if we don't do this part, you're never going to have a purpose in life. You're just going to go through life. So I encourage you, do not miss the next two Sundays. Actually, I encourage you to never miss a Sunday. But especially these next two Sundays. Okay, Pastor, so what happens when I find out what I want? I sit down and see what it's going to cost, and I decide to pay the price. What's next? Well, it's already in your notes. When are you going to start? Nobody's stopping you but you. The devil can't stop you and God won't stop you. You want to take your business to the next level? Four questions for you. You want to take your life to that next level? Four questions for you. You want to take your ministry to the next, next level, Marissa? John? Pastor Ray, Pastor Philemon, four questions for you. See, I've answered these questions a hundred times in my life. And can I tell you, I'll answer them a hundred times more. Because the thing about ministry, the thing about life, it doesn't end until they put me in that pine box. You see, to minister doesn't cost any more than to just be a Christian. It costs your life. It is our living, it is life, letting all of our actions speak louder than words. What are our actions saying? Because the world's listening more to our actions than our words. Victoria's Life dreamed a dream in 2010. We've done so much and affected so many and watched much of it be fulfilled. And if you haven't, give your life to the ministry for His kingdom here at Victorious Life or some other church. You may be here visiting today. Well, I'm just checking out your church to see if I like it better than the church I'm going to. Wrong question. The question is, is are you at the church God wants you to be at? That's the only question you have to answer because it's not about what you like or I like. It's about what God says. You see, it is in that that you will find and begin to fulfill the purpose that God has created you for in this life. Can somebody say amen? amen? Well, praise the Lord. That's all I got to say this morning. I pray that today's message helped you, encouraged you, and we're going to pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, even though we're not having what's known as a full-fledged altar call, we're not even having the worship team come back. Oh, yes, they are. Never mind. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that it's your plan that we want to pursue. God, it's your passion, the same passion that took you to Calvary, the same passion that took you to Gethsemane, the same passion that took you through all the trials and the struggles that you dealt with. God, that ultimately we have to develop in our lives if we're going to have the same vision that took you from heaven to earth. Father, thank you today 
as you guide us. Five simple statements, four simple questions. But yet they can ultimately change our lives forever on this earth. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. As heads are bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Nothing I said today will really make a difference in eternity if you don't. Oh, it'll make a difference in this life. You can apply it all and it'll be okay. But ultimately, we want to hear those great words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you, come up to see me, come up to see Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, or anyone else in this church. You see the list of many of our ministries on the screen here. BLKC, which is what Marissa was talking about this morning, Victoria's Life Kids Club. Radiant Youth with Mike and Charity Chastain. Victorious Life Young Adults with John and Sandy Haramio. Victorious Life Women's Ministry with my wife and Susan Bates. Victorious Life Men's Ministry with Pastor Philemon and Ken Bates. There's lots of opportunities. But the most important opportunity is the opportunity of salvation through Jesus Christ. So today is your day. Would you make a decision that ultimately you can have a purpose in your life? Amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.